I was of no use to my team, to my children, to my husband, to myself. And so I had to start setting up boundaries and the boundaries started with me, not anybody else. It wasn't saying no to other people. It was saying to say, Nikki, what do you want? Like, what is important to you? What do you value? And let go of everything else and give myself permission to not have the perfect Christmas tree, to not have the gifts that had the exact wrapping paper and the giant bows and the perfect cards, because that's not really important. What's important is that my kids feel love on Christmas morning, that their mom is there with energy, right? To love on them. Welcome to the Full Out Podcast, where you'll get tools, tips, and inspiration to start living your most passionate, expansive, and abundant life. I'm your host, Samantha Jo Harvey, professional dancer and group fitness trainer turned lifestyle entrepreneur, speaker, and women's empowerment coach. It is my mission to help women live their lives full out. No more surviving your days, playing small, or marking your way through life. It's time to let go of your blocks, step into your power, and own that you are worthy of having everything you want in your life, business, and relationships. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hello and welcome back to the Full Out Podcast. It's Sam, your host, and I'm so excited for you to hear today's interview. It is with Nikki Cummings, who is one of my girlfriends, but also a proud mama of three amazing kids. She's the wife and business partner to her best friend, Buddy. And as an entrepreneur, Nikki has built and sold multiple successful companies across divergent industries. Today, she's in real estate development, in the process of launching a new business, and serves as the CEO and co-founder of Cummings Camp Programs, which is a coaching and consulting organization that serves and supports business owners and their teams. She is skilled in finance, strategy, crisis management, the dynamics of family-run business, the vital importance of company culture, and building unstoppable teams. She's got an extensive history in community service and philanthropy, and she currently serves on a hospital board and is a mentor in residence for the Spring Entrepreneur Hub, an MIT-based mentoring program. You guys, this woman is a powerhouse. I'm obsessed with her, and I think you're going to get so many good tidbits of knowledge, of insight, of wisdom, of inspiration from our conversation. If this conversation really resonates, if it sparks something in you, do me a favor, take a screenshot, share it on your Instagram, and tag myself, Samantha Jo Harvey, and Nikki, Miss Nikki Cummings, And we would love to repost and give you some love. And lastly, of course, if you're loving the podcast, rate, subscribe, and review. And we'll see you next time. Enjoy. OMG, girlfriend, I'm so happy you are here. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. No, I'm so honored. Thank you for having me. So the first question I just want to ask you before we get into all the things is what does it mean to you to live your life full out? Oh my gosh. So for me, I like, that is my mission statement. I feel like I look at every day as an adventure and that is something that no matter where I am, no matter if I'm in, you know, the middle of the Midwest on a construction site and it's, you know, the middle of December, I'm like, what can we do? What can we see? Like, I, I try to look at everything. Like it's an opportunity, uh, even in the mundane and to make you know, an adventure out of everything. So to me, living life to the full is just like going to bed every single night, slightly exhausted, (laughs) feeling like you did it all. (laughs) 
Did you feel like that before you had three kids or is that after you've got three kids? No, I did feel like that before I had three kids, but I had a, I did have a lot more bandwidth in that day before I went to bed. Um, now, you know, being 40 and having three kids, it is, yeah, my energy runs out faster. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I need to talk to you about, I mean, you do so many things. Like you specialize in helping people with like everything from doing like the business stuff to being a a mama. I mean, like you, you literally have this span of expertise in all of these ways. Like I want to talk about so many things, work-life balance. I want to talk about scaling businesses. I want to talk about what's it like to be a woman in the workplace. Like I want to get into all of that, but can you give us just a quick overview of who you are, where you come from and what that journey was for you to become this successful, powerful woman that you are? Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, so I, you know, I, I, I have a hard time talking about my past because not because it's like, it's just, I feel so blessed. I feel so blessed for where I am. And I know that so many people have come from like such different backgrounds and stories. And, and, you know, I just feel like, um, you know, it's just, I, it's, I don't know why it's hard to talk about it, but I just, so my, you know, I grew up very humble. I came from very humble beginnings. My dad was an Oki, um, who ended up, you know, I think he had a dust bowl background. He, he passed away. So it's only little bits and pieces that I've pieced together, but he ended up in California dirt poor, uh, met my mom. They tried for years and years to have a baby and, and, you know, it just didn't happen. And it was back before, you know, fertility, assistance. And, uh, and so finally she finds out she's pregnant. And the day after she finds out she's pregnant after like seven years of trying, he finds out he has terminal cancer. And so I only had him for three years. Thankfully I did have him for three years and then he passed away. And, uh, and so my mom was a single mom. I was raised by a single mom. My dad didn't leave by choice, but, um, you know, so we were, we had a humble background. I had everything I needed and I was rich in love. I had an amazing family, a support system. When they say it takes a village, like that was so true in my life. I, my mom always wanted to be a mom. That's all she ever wanted was to be a mom. And so, and so she was, you know, codependent. And um, unfortunately that, you know, ended her up in some, some complicated toxic relationships that I was then exposed to. And, um, and, you know, had some experience, some trauma with, But ultimately I had an amazing group of family that just rallied around her, rallied around me. And so growing up, I I would say I started my first business in high school. I didn't know I was an entrepreneur, but I started my first two businesses in high school. Actually, Uh, one was a large animal uh, care company where I, I grew up around horses. And so I loved cows, horses, goats, dogs, whatever it was. And so I would do pet sitting and I wasn't afraid to be around, you know, livestock and whatnot. So I had a business taking care of farm animals. And then I had a housekeeping company in the summers and, you know, between high school and college, I ended up graduating. I wasn't truly focused on, you know, college. I knew I was going to go, but I didn't really know where it was going to take me. So I ended up at a couple different community colleges And, uh, while I was on vacation in Hawaii, I fell in love with the Aloha spirit. And after a few days, and I decided that I was going to move there and drop out of college. So I did ended up in Hawaii. I lived there for a few years and started working in advertising. I say I was like the, 
you know, 20 year old version of Carrie Bradshaw, but I was like living on Oahu instead of New York and like living my best life. So I thought loving every moment of it. I had this career track. I wanted to end up in San Francisco and Los Angeles. I was going to work for big advertising agencies. I was ultimately going to go to New York. And I was on that track working at a big um, newspaper in Hawaii. And then I ended up in California for a conference and I called up an old friend and said, we should go have dinner. And he opened up my car door and it was love at second sight. And so, uh, you know, I ended up moving back to California after three years in Hawaii and falling in love with who is now my partner in life and my partner in business. And so I got married pretty young. I was like 23, I think. And we started, you know, he was an entrepreneur. I started working at his company. They got into a season where they needed some help. And I feel like I'm telling this long story, but ultimately it was in the fires and in the struggles that I learned what I was capable of. So when I started helping him, I was in an administrative role. And then the company went through a season of like really, really uncertain time where we were going to potentially lose the business. This was a couple of businesses ago. And I said, we had a, we had a call center, like literally boiler room, like a call center. We were working with high schools though. So it was a real positive environment, but full on outbound call center, exactly what you would imagine, like Wolf of wall street, but like <laughs> scaled back a little bit. Cause we were raising money for high schools. But, um, I would start every day at zero with a team of 30 and we had to raise like 30,000 a day for all these high schools that we were contracted to work with, to give money to their athletic programs. And I said, I'll just try, let me try. And I had no experience, but we had no sales manager. So I stepped into the role and I loved it. I saw that if I really applied myself, like I could get, I could motivate people to do things they didn't want to do. Right. If they just wanted to like, not pick up the phone and call, we all wanted to hang out, but I'd be like, we got, we have a mission. We have a vision. We have to do this. This is for the high schools. And so I saw what I was capable of in leadership. It was baptism by fire. And I was addicted from that moment when I had that opportunity to step into leadership, I just became so addicted. And I started to see that, you know, um, I started to really validate myself by motivating others, working with others, which then became like truly an addiction. And I became a major workaholic. My husband started another company, which was the big company that we're known for world wind and solar. Uh, I ended up becoming his partner, running the company and being so, I've, I started to validate myself on um, the hours that I worked and the, and because my dad had passed away and I think I was like missing that being somebody's little girl, even though, um, you know, I had a grandfather who I worshiped and adored seeking that approval from my grandfather was like my true fulfillment. So when I started to work and experience that career success, I became very addicted to that. Like people were like, she's amazing. She's crushing. So I wanted that, that fed me and fueled me. And, uh, and so there were some, some ramifications that came with that, you know, with, with working and, and seeking that approval, but we experienced a lot of success. We started having babies right around the same time and, you know, growing the company and, uh, and ultimately building the largest manpower provider in the renewable energy sector for industrial scale, wind and solar. So we were grease monkeys. We climbed wind turbines, just like you service a car, you know, we would service that equipment and it's the number one business, you know, in the space today, we sold it a couple years ago sailed off into the sunset and, you know, moved to the Gulf of Mexico and, uh, and realized that we missed the game. We love, 
we're just, if you're an entrepreneur, you never really retire. You're like, you are an entrepreneur in your blood. You can't help it. And so it's like the juice. We say, we love the juice, you know? And so we started coaching and consulting entrepreneurs and our mission statement is helping business owners build the business of their dreams so they can live the life of their dreams. And, um, and I have a special place in my heart for women who are trying to do all the things because I know what it's like. I remember feeling like when people would say she has it all, how does she do it all? Like I loved it and it fueled me, but then I like felt like I had to be at all. And I had, I couldn't let people down and I know what that pressure is like. So, um, so I, you know, we serve, we serve men and women, but I, I have a special place in my heart for, for, for the, for the dreamers and the doers that are girls. <laughs> Mike drop Nikki Cummings gets to know you girlfriend. Uh, thank you so much for sharing all that. So I'm curious, um, how, how do you handle that pressure? Because I know, I know I've experienced that pressure when, once you hit that certain level of success, you know, you feel this, this pressure to perform this pressure to be on all the time, this pressure to, um, show up in a certain way. And, and, you know, you do have children, you do, um, run these massive businesses. How do you support your clients in, in releasing that need to quote unquote perform? Yes. So, okay. A couple different things in supporting my clients. I think, you know, you hear the phrase, like, you know, are you working in your business or on your business? Right. And the term like work smarter, not harder, but they are really essential, like relevant phrases that, um, a lot of business owners, you get so consumed in the day to day and you're fighting so many fires and it's relevant work. It's busy work, but it's, it's more than busy. It's like still moving the needle forward, but it's, helping our business owners carve out the time to invest in working on the business. I say, you know, slowing down to speed up. So helping our clients really take that time to get strategic because maybe they're so business busy, just like growing the business. And then the new year starts and they're like, well, we want to do more better than last year. We want to make more money than last year, but like how and why, and where are you, are you going? Do you have a vision that's compelling to rally your team? So it's not just to make Buddy and Nikki more richer, right? It's about a vision that provides a career path and a future for them. And so that inspires them. And so, um, so we work with our clients on helping them prioritize and delegate and, you know, all the things, but for me personally, and when I'm working with women specifically, uh, I had to learn to define and design a life of my dreams. I was trying to live the life of my dreams according to the world and what I saw. And so back in the day when I was younger, you know, before Joanna Gaines was on the scene, it was a woman named Martha Stewart. Right. And so Martha Stewart was, you know, who, you know, Joanna Gaines is today, but I thought I had to be Martha Stewart. I had to have the perfect, you know, center display on my table, the perfect meal, the perfect home, the perfect career, the perfect kids, the perfect outfits for my kids that matched the mom, all that. And I ended up in the hospital. Like I literally burnt out. I was working so many hours to scale our company. I I'm five, five. So an ideal weight for me is like, you know, 130 to 140, like somewhere in there. Right. If I'm, if I'm like 128, I'm looking pretty lean. Right. So I'm thin at that weight. So 130 is like a good weight for me. 130 to 140. I had gotten to 172, no baby weight. I was not, you know, it, it ha- recovering from having a baby or, you know, and I was 172 pounds. I was eating fast food. If I ate at all, 
Uh, I was eating at lunch, you know, at my desk. I was not taking lunch breaks. I was grinding. We were scaling this big company. I wasn't sleeping. I would come home. I would drink because I was just trying to like navigate the stress. And so I would come home and have more glasses of wine than I should, which I wouldn't sleep. I had no morning routine. I would get up, rush to get the kids to school to get to the office. It was just this toxic spiral or circle rat race that I was, you know, in. And I ended up, I had a yoga ball that I sat on at work and I fell off my yoga ball. Like it, it, it was on wheels and I leaned over and it, it shot out from underneath me. And I did some trauma to my sciatica. And so I ended up in the hospital. My husband was on a business trip. I had to have a friend come over in the middle of the night. I had to call 911. I couldn't walk. I was basically temporarily quote unquote paralyzed. I had to call 911 to come get me. And I was in the hospital bed and I was just laying there thinking like, this isn't sustainable. Like I can't do this anymore. And my husband was in San Diego. It was four hours away. He was driving home at like three in the morning to come get me, get our kids. I ended up being put on bed rest for a week. And at that point I started taking inventory of my life and what I was, the the pace that I was trying to keep. And I just knew that something had to change because here I was, yeah, I could answer emails from my bed, from my laptop, but I was of no use to my team, to my children, to my husband, to myself. And so I had to start setting up boundaries and the boundaries started with me not anybody else. It wasn't saying no to other people. It was saying to say, Nikki, what do you want? Like, what is important to you? What do you value? And let go of everything else and give myself permission to not have the perfect Christmas tree, to not have the gifts that had the exact wrapping paper and the giant bows and the perfect cards, because that's not really important. What's important is that my kids feel love on Christmas morning, that their mom is there with energy, right. To love on them. It doesn't matter what the gift looks like, the packaging of the gift. So I just had to really take inventory and make a lot of changes. And that's when it started. Oh girl, that was juicy. Like, thank you for that. Thank you for being so real because I know that I've experienced burnout. I know that other people have experienced burnout and everyone's looks a little different, but I, I really appreciate your honesty and vulnerability in that because um, I know in speaking to a lot of moms, they, they talked to me on Instagram and they're like, my biggest thing is comparison. Like I'm comparing myself to another mom on Instagram. I, or the, another, the mom next door or, you know, who I used to be before I had kids. And I just don't feel enough. Like, I don't feel like I'm hot enough, pretty enough doing the mom things enough. And I'm like, how do we break that stigma? Whether you're a stay at home mom, whether you run 10 multi, you know, seven figure businesses, mm-hmm. how do you release the judgment? How do you release the comparison? And I think that you really are getting to something here about defining what it means to you to have the life that you want. A hundred percent. Like, that's what I just, like I said, I was addicted to that. Oh, she has it all, but that, you know, like who, what does that even mean? You know, and I just, and I, and, and so I was like trying to perform for everybody else just to have people be proud of me. And what really mattered was like what I thought about myself Mm. and my husband, children, right? Like that's what really mattered, my executive team. So I just, yeah, I learned to increase my grace with myself and really look at what was important. And my daughter, the other day, she's like, let's bake cookies. I don't bake and I'm okay with it. I told her, I said, do you want to like make like chicken Parmesan? Do you want to like, you know, cook something? I just don't bake because 
I'm an artist. I'm a, even as an entrepreneur, business is my art. I don't bake because like really smart intellectual people bake. And I just have this limiting belief that I'm, just, I'm not that analytical. I can't bake. I'll throw in some flour instead of yeast or some wine instead of oil. And it never works out. So I said, I'll take you over to your aunties. She'll bake with you. You know, I said, or we can buy the cookies that we can just slice the log and put it, but I don't bake. And I said, if you want to bake, I'll hang out with you while you bake, but I'm just not a baker and I'm okay with it. You know, and sometimes, yes, you make sacrifices for your kids, right? You do things you don't want to do, but truly, I just feel like I used to, yeah, bake cookies and do all this stuff because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. I don't do that anymore. Uh, and I'm okay with it for you. <laughs> well, and, and to me, like you, when, whenever I'm with you, like you are full of energy, you're full of this like fire and magnetism. And I really believe it's because you're, you choose yourself and you're, and you're cool being like, yeah, no, this is me. Like take it or leave it. I might not be for everyone and I'm cool with that. And, and I really honor that. And that's something I try to embody as well. Like, this is who I am. If I piss you off. Okay, cool. Like I'm just not for you. Um, and I know that I will find my people. And I think that that's another thing that a lot of women forget, especially women that are building online businesses. They're, they're trying to please everyone. And Mm -hmm. in my point of view, you can't please everyone. So by trying to please everyone, you're losing yourself more. So if you become true to yourself, and then you show up in that way for your online business, that's going to be the way that people actually begin to trust you, actually begin to like you and eventually will buy from you because you're being real because people can smell fake, you know? Yeah. And you'll resonate with, like you said, like your people, right. Who need to hear your message. And I feel like that's one thing that like men are really good at. Men are pretty unapologetic. They're not typically trying to perform for other people. They're just themselves. They're, they seem to be more comfortable. Right. And so buddy, my husband, we always tell our clients, you know, when you're building a workplace culture, you don't have to build a culture according to what the books say, or the magazines say you build your culture. You, you raise up your freak flag and you fly it high and you tell people when you're interviewing them, Hey, guess what? My culture, my company is not a one size fits all, but if you're the right person, you will thrive in our company. Right? So what we tell our clients that, yeah, raise your freak flag, fly it high. And that goes for us as individuals as well, right? Is to you do you right? I have a shirt that says, I'm going to do me. And it, it's taken a long time to get there. And I still struggle with it sometimes. And my husband will say things. I'll go, Oh, people won't like hearing that. And he goes, well, then they're not my people. And so I'm learning to, to be more comfortable with that. Like be, be authentic. Don't worry about the rest of the world. You do you. And that whole, your vibe attracts your tribe. It's so true. Yeah. A thousand percent. And I think like I've been feeling a lot into this idea of magnetism lately. So it's not about me doing more, but it's about me being more so that I attract more into my life. And then also, you know, I'm a doer. So I do love to get my shit done. Um, and I know that you and I have that in common and I'm actually curious, what other differences do you see between men and women in either in entrepreneurship or just in the workplace that like, what can we learn from men? And also like, what do we what are our superpowers as women? Oh my gosh. Okay. So I went to Scotland a couple of years ago with my husband on a trip. It was a couple's retreat, but it was for this group called YPO, which is this young president's organization, this international bougie, you know, high level CEO thing. So we went to Scotland and I, I learned two lessons that I still, that just, they, they were astounding to me. We were sitting at a a distillery and we were having lunch. We'd done a tour of the Scotch whiskey distillery. 
And they said, oh, it's time to get on the bus. We're going to the next stop. And several women at the table, we just got a glass of wine. And so we asked the waiter, can we get like a coffee cup, like a to-go cup? We were going on a bus. We weren't driving, you know? And so they go, oh, let me ask. So then they went and asked, they asked somebody else. They came back. They're like, oh, sorry, ma'ams. You can't take the glass. You can't walk out with a cup, blah, blah. And so one of the men walks over and he goes, what, what's going on? And we're like, well, we just got this glass of wine and we have to leave and we want to take our, and he goes, he walks up to the bar. He goes, Hey, I need three coffee cups to go, please. And then they just give him the cups. He takes our glasses. He dumps it. And we walk out. So number one, men don't ask for permission. They ask for forgiveness. Okay. Women ask for permission. We should ask for forgiveness. Number two, we got to another destination like a day or two later. And one guy wanted to go mountain bike riding. And so we asked all the guys on the van, like, Hey, after we get checked into our hotel, I'm going to get a bike. Do you guys want to go ride with me? And some people were like, yeah, some people said no, but the men were just like, yes or no. And then the guy was like, cool. And I remember thinking, okay, if that was a group of women, we would, I would be like, well, I don't know. Like, what do you want to do? And And I would have tried to go with the masses and make the group happy. Even if I really just wanted to go to the spa or lay out by the pool, I would have done the mountain biking to accommodate everyone else. So I feel like men have more, they more easily say yes or no. They just are more connected with like their desires and they're just more clear about it. Like, yeah, I do. No, I don't. And it's no big deal. And so those are the two lessons men ask for forgiveness and they have no problem saying yes or no. They're just more direct. And I remember thinking like, we could, we could learn from this, you know, women could benefit from this as far as superpowers. I would say, I think women are more intuitive in general. Sorry, fellas, if any men are listening to this, I think we tend to be more intuitive. So when we're interviewing people, right? Like we have that intuition, that gut instinct of like, they're saying everything right but my spidey senses are going off. Like something's not right here. And I don't know what it is, but there we have that gut, that sixth sense. I think uh, in my experience with working with men and women, you know, our superpowers are that we're really, we do multitask well, even though it's not always healthy. We just have that ability though, to move a lot of needles or keep plates spinning. We have to be protective of that. And we have to look out for the women on our teams because they are, they do tend to be better at that. But I do, and I think that we're just, we are natural encouragers. So we're more expressive. I do think that, you know, and I worked in a very male world for many, many years. I worked in a construction company. You know, our company was, you know, all man and woman powered, but all of my bosses, all of my clients were men. I was 95% of the time, the only woman in the room in big negotiations. Uh, I felt like my number one superpower was that they never saw me coming. So when I, yeah, that was like my, I learned that I was, I lived on job sites. I helped build wind farms and I wore a pink hard hat because it was such a male world. And I I literally found a company in Canada that made pink steel toed boots and pink hard hats. And Marilyn Monroe said, I don't mind living in a man's world as long as I get to be a woman in it. And I read that and I was like, that is going to be my mantra. And so I remember sitting in a room, I walked into the job site, I had my pink hard hat on my pink boots, took the hat off. And I'm in this really heavy negotiation with my client. And I knew our contract in and out, and I knew we were in the right. And we were going to ask for a large change order. It's called it's money because the contract got messed up and I'm going back and forth. And I start reciting different parts of the contract. And my client goes, 
you're not as dumb as you let on. And I said, no, I'm not as dumb as you thought I was. Like, I don't play. I said, I don't play dumb. I don't play the dumb blonde. I'm just not as dumb as you thought I was. And from that day on to this day, we have a great relationship and he never saw me coming. So I feel like that in today's world, it's getting better, way better. We've progressed a lot, but I still feel like, you know, do your homework, know your contract, know your, you know, know, know your, your dot, your I's, your Q's, your T's, whatever. And they'll never see you coming. Oh my God. I love that. I mean, like, and I'm always, you know, all the best movies are like, you're fighting for the underdog and I freaking love that. And that's such an interesting mindset and perspective shift of like, Oh, we might have it harder. You're the only woman there. Like no motherfuckers, like watch out because Nikki's coming. And I love that little shift. Oh, I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that. Oh, I loved it. And I was very fortunate. Like I know some women, I did have a boss when I was young, I worked at a pest control company and I was full on sexually harassed. He would brush up against me at the filing cabinet. I think I was 18 years old and he would like fit between tight spaces and make sure he touched it. I I was so young and naive. I was just like, well, I'm just going to find another job, you know? So I just like applied and found another job and left, but I know not all women are that strong. And so some women will stay and, and I, I wasn't brave enough to confront him and say, Hey, do you know what you're doing is inappropriate, blah, blah, blah. But I just, you know, had enough moxie to at least say, I'm not comfortable here. I'm going to move on. But I feel like I've been very blessed and in the, and you know, in the company that we were in and in the industry that we were in, I was treated really, really well, but I definitely know that they did not give me the credit. They did not, you know, they were not intimidated to go into negotiations with Nikki Cummings until they left the negotiation. And then they learned. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. But, but you also bring up a really good point of doing the work and like you not expecting that you're just going to have the business that you want or bring in the income that you want or attract the clients that you want, but you've got to put in the work. You've got to know the things inside and out. You've got to, you know, I'm just going to say, you got to be gritty. Like you've got to hustle. You've got to put in the time and the effort to get there. And, you know, this actually reminds me of my story of getting into the Rockettes because I'm actually too short technically to be a Rockette. They're five, six to five, 10 and a half. And I am five, five and a half ish on a good day. (laughs) And I remember going in and being like, well, I'm not going to get hired. Like, let me just go have fun. And, you know, I wore the big poof in my hair and had my heels on. And after the first round, they take a, um, ruler and they measure you up against the wall and they just took this ruler and smooshed down my hair and on my on my audition documents they wrote in big red letters five five and a half and they told me you know you're going to be cut you're not tall enough do you want to leave now or do you want to wait for the director to cut you and I'm like I'll wait for the director to cut me like I'm having fun and I even had a girl in the audition who was like a returning person she had done the show or something like that and she looked down at me and she's like well, you know, you're too short. Like they're, they're not going to hire you. So I had multiple people telling me I was too short. I wasn't going to get hired. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like I'm having fun. I've, I put in the work, bringing it back to your point. Like I've, I've worked my tail off. I've got my dance degree. I've been doing everything that I need to do to be a professional dancer. And this was like my second legit um, audition. And sure enough, me staying in it, being the like, quote unquote underdog, I got hired. And it just goes to show you that if you are in the right place at the right time, you put in the work and you, you know that you're worthy of getting chosen, like good yeah. things are going to happen. I really believe it. 
A hundred percent. And I feel like your story, it reminds me of that movie, Rudy, right? Rudy Rudiger, the kid who played for Notre Dame. And it's like, I feel like today, you know, I am a millennial, so I can say this. I'm a millennial by one year and I've managed thousands, literally of millennials over the years. And I feel like one of my quotes is that I tell people is, you know, you can't buy grit, you earn it. Right. And so it's a muscle that we have to flex. And if our parents never make us have to earn it because they're always protecting us and shielding us, how are we, we're going to lose that characteristic. And that's how the industrial age and all these great leaders came about. They didn't come from money. They came, they had grit. Right. And so I love that. And you were having fun. You're like, and, and you probably a little bit like that girl said you were going to get cut and this and that you're probably like, well, what if I don't, how good is that going to feel when I see you after the fact, you know, like it's, it's a challenge. Oh, I, yeah, totally. And I, and I think this is just so good. You know, I know a lot of people have experienced a lot of ups and downs from the last year and a half, two years. And, and this is just a great reminder with your story, with mine is things going to happen. Shit's going to mm-hmm. happen. And also who do you get to be to overcome it? Like what, what new version of yourself do you get to discover? Do you get to discover the committed version of yourself? Do you get to discover the powerful version of yourself, the confident version of yourself, the, you know, do whatever it takes version of yourself. Who do you get to be to achieve the goals that you want? You know? Um, and I'm just really passionate about, about getting women to realize that whatever their past was or whatever their last mistake was, doesn't have to define what their next chapter is going to be. Oh, a hundred percent. I, I believe we let our past define us, right? We, we have the power. And so for me, I always say, you know, my past helped shape me and it helped guide me, but it sure as hell doesn't define me. I define me. I write my story, right? And I am not going to let my story be a sad victim whose, you know, dad passed away and, you know, whatever happened in her life. Like, no, yes, I grew and I learned from it, but it sure as hell isn't writing my future, you know? Oh, yeah, girl. I love it. So um, I know we only have a couple minutes left. So I want to ask you if there was one thing that you could tell female entrepreneurs right now, like uh, a lesson or a don't make this mistake that I made. What is your one piece of advice for female entrepreneurs? Oh my gosh. Um, well, I feel like we've covered, you know, a lot as far as like, don't, you know, get more, get comfortable with not asking for permission and just, you know, being tr- more true to ourselves. But I do think we have to earn a seat at the table, every one of us, male, female, whatever it is. I know that women have been underserved, you know, or underrepresented for a lot of years or, you know, but I feel like that still doesn't negate the fact that we have to earn a right to be there. And so you have to, like you said, be willing to do the work. That's my hashtag on my Peloton is hashtag do the work. And it, we have to remember that, right? We don't just deserve a seat at the table because we're a girl. We still have to earn it. And so to me, be that person that's worthy, right? Be that person, like you have it in you, but it's, it's more than just, you know, like, just because I'm a girl, I get to be here. Like, like, I just really believe that we still have to earn a position. And I, and I talk to my kids about that. I have a daughter, I'm raising a very strong daughter. But I tell her, you have to, you have to earn your right to be here every single day. You have to show up man or woman and keep earning that right to be there. And, but I would say, don't, you know, don't undervalue yourself, know your worth, know that, know who you are, be okay with being in a man's world and staying a girl in it, you know, and just, but 
and like I said, for me, you know, I, I refused to play the dumb blonde. I had my pink hard hat because I am a girly girl, but I was still going to, you know, be me. And I wasn't going to play that card. I, I was just going to play the Nikki card and be authentic to myself. And I knew I tell my clients, I promise you, we're not going to get it right all the time, but when we don't, we will fix it. And so being okay with that, just knowing that you're not going to get it right every time. And when you mess up, you're going to fix it. And, and, and so it's okay to make mistakes along the way. That, that would be my, my wisdom. <laughs> so good. Nikki, where can people find you if they want to work with you and buddy? Yeah, they can find us at our company's called Cummings Camp Programs. So on social media and on our website, it's just cummingscamp.com. And if you want to connect with me individually, it's at Miss Nikki Cummings, which is M-S-N-I-K-K-I Cummings, C-U-M-M-I-N-G-S. And uh, I just love being in community with women. I'm inspired by women all day long. Sam and I met because we were part of a mastermind group uh, that was a big investment in time and finances. And it was worth every minute and every penny because I got these friendships with people like Sam that have changed my life. And they fill me up just seeing Sam every day, doing Sam on social media brings me life. And so just connect with women, invest in yourselves and, uh, and, and be unapologetic about that. I used to be afraid of like girl power and I didn't want to seem like this or that. And now I'm like, girl, I am girl powered. My women are my life. They fill me up. So, um, so yeah, connect with me. I'd love to, to, to be in fellowship and in community with you all. Uh, community is so everything. And yeah, just thank you. It was an honor and joy to have you on here and to be by your side and for us to be build, building all of the things that we get to build in this lifetime together. And so my last question for you, short, very quick, you're on an elevator, you're taking it from the first floor to the 11th floor and someone turns to you and they say, Nikki, how do I live my life full out? What do you tell them? Choose one adventure every day. So even if that's taking your child out and looking for a worm in the grass, it doesn't have to cost money. It doesn't have to be a first class jet set trip to, you know, Puerto Vallarta or wherever. I don't know the first thing that came to mind. You can make an adventure out of every single day so that when you put your head on the pillow at night, you know, you go to sleep spent, right? A little bit exhausted and that's okay. So choose one adventure every single day and put your feet in the dirt. I think that, you know, we live in cities. Uh, I've spent a lot of time in a lot of cities and I remember missing trees. So I don't care if you have to go stand in a planter, right? Outside of your condo or your apartment, take your bare feet and try to put your feet on the earth once a day. I don't know, for me, it's just really fills me up. It's just, I don't know what it is. It just does something for my soul. Nikki Cummings, girlfriend, thanks for being here. I love you. I love you, Sam. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining me. If today's podcast inspired you in any way, we would love your support in spreading the word. Please subscribe, rate, and review, and let the other queens in your life know that they are also worthy of living life full out. If you want to continue the conversation, I'd love to connect with you on Instagram or Facebook at Samantha Jo Harvey. Have a fabulous day, and I'll see you next time.